Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Yeah, I don't know if you're one of the people that gets excited like right after Thanksgiving to know that we're hopping into to Christmas time. I'm one of those people. So as you heard, Pastor Derry Northrup is going to be with us here at the Windsor campus next week, senior pastor at Timberline Church. Excited. If you haven't met him or heard from him, excited for him to be here. But he wanted to kick off the Advent season at Timberline Windsor. And I said, nope, campus pastor privileges. I got this one. So um, entering a season of Advent should, should quicken and stir up our souls. I want to get to the very first outline point we have. Advent invites us to pay attention in a new way. Advent invites us to to pay attention in a new way. Advent, these, these four weeks that we take ahead of the great celebration that we know we get to have at Christmas time, Advent is essentially just preparing the way, preparing our hearts, preparing our souls. And and this particular Advent, I want us to pay attention in a new way. I want us to see this first week with this message called the promised star. I want us to, to see if the cosmos, the universe, where stars exist, if you didn't catch that one, um, I want us to see if the cosmos can expand our faith in a fresh way. Tell us something new about God. So in fact, I want us to to set the mood a little bit. I want us to try to have an environment in this room where, and those joining us online, where where we enter into a sense of awe and, and wonder. I don't know about you, but the concept of cosmos, the universe, space, has always fascinated me. I remember the first time a few years back that that I saw a space shuttle like in person. It was such a a crazy thing to see that ship and go, that left Earth went out into space. And that's just space. We're not even talking about outer space. Okay, with outer space, we have to have a whole new measurement of what we're talking about to try to to grasp it. See, a mile won't do you any good. With outer space, you have to understand a concept of a light year, a light year. If you weren't paying attention in science class, the concept of a light year is how far an object would travel if it went at the speed of light for a year. The speed of light, that's 186,000 miles a second. Seven and a half times around the whole earth in one second. Something traveling that fast, how far would it go in 31 and a half million seconds? That's a year. It's enormous. If you were to state light years, this is why why miles is of no use. If you were to try to state one light year in terms of miles, how many miles is that? 
5.87 times 10 to the 12th power, miles. <laughs> Anytime you're talking about something in terms of times 10 to the something power, it just bursts out of most of our ability to, to really grasp. An object traveling that fast for that long is just one light year. In our home, the Milky Way galaxy, the, the galaxy in which we live in, how wide in terms of light years do you think the Milky Way galaxy stretches? 10 light years? 100 light years? 1,000 light years? No. The Milky Way galaxy alone stretches 100,000 light years wide. And that's just our galaxy. In 2020, scientists estimated that there are around 2 trillion galaxies in the observable universe. Our galaxy, 100,000 light years wide, is just one of trillions of galaxies. This is the canvas upon which our God operates. The God that holds all that together is the God you and I were just singing about. Do you see why a sense of Advent, a sense of the cosmos, where, where the promised stars exist, how it can help us see this in a new way? Catching the bigness of the God that we're singing to and praying about. The brilliant and beloved Tim Keller who recently passed away once reflected this, let me quote him. If the distance between the earth and the sun, 92 million miles, was reduced to the thickness of a sheet of paper, then the distance between the earth and the nearest star would be a stack of papers 70 feet high. And the distance of our universe, our galaxy, sorry, our galaxy would be a stack of paper 310 miles high. That's how big, Keller says, the galaxy is. Yet the galaxy is nothing but a speck of dust virtually in the whole universe. The Bible says Jesus Christ holds this universe together with the word of his power. And then Keller ends with this. Is this the kind of person you ask to be your assistant. Where one paper represents the 92 million miles between earth and the sun, it would take a stack of papers 70 feet high to represent the distance between us and the closest star. And then how wide our universe is, it would take a stack of papers stretching from here to Rapid City, South Dakota, or here to Santa Fe, New Mexico, to represent our Milky Way galaxy. Just one galaxy in trillions. It's a lot of paper. Our God operates on a big canvas. He holds a lot in his hands. So here it is yet again, this advent, Pay attention in a new way. 
And with that in mind, not only should we right-size God in our souls today and not treat him just like our mere assistant, but we should also avoid insulting him by crediting the planets and the stars with the power to predict or decide things. Astrology and horoscopes function as cheap knockoffs compared to the power that God alone has. And a friend, actually John Rorvik, when, when he and I were talking about this message a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about astrology and horoscopes, he said, is, is that really something that, that we can, can struggle with? Is that something that people hear ascribing power and prediction to the planets and how they dance? Maybe. Maybe not. As always, I want to preach to people of the faith and people that are not yet of the faith. But regardless, the tendency to worship the creation above the creator, well, that's definitely a temptation. How ridiculous it would be to congratulate the Mona Lisa and not the painter. How ridiculous it is likewise to to look at the nature around us, even as beautiful as it is here in Colorado, and not turn to see the creator of all that. Over and over and over, even as we heard last week, scripture tells us that the mountains and the hills and the valleys and the ocean cry out their praise to God Almighty. In all of their rawness, the the crispness of the air, the roar of the water, the warmth of the sand on the beach, they would all point us to the glory and the majesty and the goodness of the one that created them. And here's the thing, our great enemy, Satan the deceiver, he wants to, to shrink God in the perspective of our souls. And he wants us to misplace our worship from God to anything else in creation. There's a deception that kind of hisses over our souls. Does God really care? Can God really do anything about the situation in which you find yourself? And if God is really that big, is he gonna get involved in your Or maybe like me, you felt the temptation this this past week with with family and feasts and fun. There's alliteration for you. that, That maybe there's just enough pleasurable things around you to not really pay attention. You don't really need to pay attention to God. But instead, right-sizing God is something we can do in our souls that'll free us from that kind of temptation. Like the beautiful carol lyric says that God has freed us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. We are saved from the bind of the enemy's deception when we right-size God. Now, we can still have a fascination with the the cosmic dance of the stars and how beautiful and mesmerizing they are. But people throughout history tend to use that 
beauty and power that they observe in the universe and it fools them into thinking that it's the universe that deserves worship, that it's the universe that can be sought for guidance. Isaiah chided those that put their trust in astrologically based guidance. He said, you are wearied with your many counsels. Isaiah 47, 13, let them stand forth and save you. Those who divide the heavens, who gaze at the stars, who at the new moons make known what shall come upon you. Of course, Isaiah is saying, you can go to those people for guidance all you want. They don't have the power to tell you what's gonna happen to you. God alone is that big. So a Christian recognizes no need for astrology. Just a cheap knockoff in search of guidance and places our faith, our trust, our hope in the one that created all of the cosmos and holds their dance in his hands. So because this Advent, we are striving to pay attention in a new way, I want us to use that night sky. Use that night sky as a launching point for expanding and growing our faith. Glances up at the night sky have mesmerized God's people throughout all of scripture. Just read Psalm 8 or Psalm 19. David in Psalm 19 said this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day it pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. David was a stargazer. David looked up at the night sky and acknowledged how it's constantly pouring forth messages from our God about who he is and what he's like. And he didn't even know what we know. He didn't know what a light year was. He didn't have the Hubble or the James Webb telescopes to stretch out beyond just twinkle, twinkle little star and see images that have astonished people for the last century. You and I have tools that stargazers biblically never had, and we can use them to see more of that message that God is constantly pouring out creation constantly proclaiming he's a really big God. He's bigger than you think he is. He's more powerful and beautiful and intricate than you have ever been able to grasp. God is constantly heralded and celebrated and talking to us in the messages that he has painted across the cosmos. And at one point, way before humanity would be able to grasp the beauty of all of this. At one point, he gave a promise, starting with one of his people named Abraham. Late in his years in life, Abraham, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Now, I want you to try to grasp that. I want you to try to grasp, especially with all the tools that we have, how many galaxies we said exist and how many millions of stars are within each of those galaxies. Abraham, your descendants are gonna be as numerous as that. 
I was out hunting recently and, and the night sky with no clouds and no lights for as far as the eye can see, you could basically guarantee a shooting star every minute. And just looking up at that and, and considering how many stars there are, each one a named descendant of Abraham. That's what God is saying. It's, it's like trying to count the grains of sand on a seashore. It's vast, it's big, it's uncountable, but to our God, he knows and named and guides every one. Later in Numbers 24, God really starts to zoom things in. Just in case our, our heads, this is kind of one of the threats with us right-sizing God, our heads are, and our souls are gonna expand so much. But God starts to zoom in in a promise that he gave through a pagan prophet named Balaam. He said this in Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now, if you're anything like me, I can kind of struggle a bit with how that prophecy connects with God's master plan. But our God is, is so artistic and diversified in the way he communicates things that he gave this promise through the pagan prophet Balaam. And then he gives his people interpreters called prophets to understand and interpret what he says and what he means. Prophetically speaking, God uses the night sky to promise a ruler, a king. That's what prophetically represented stars, kingship, and a ruler, a scepter. A ruler king will arise out of Israel. A king of kings and a ruler above rulers will come to you. I promise. God chose to use a star as a part of his prophecy here because now that he has given that promise, every night as the stargazers would look up, they would see again his promise. And remember, this is an enduring, faithful, steadfast promise made by God. This will come to you. And if you let this, it all tells us something very awesome about our God. Even if we can right-size God, how big he is, how vast he is, how he uses the night sky to communicate things, he didn't stay there. He didn't stay distant and vast and unapproachable by you and me. He said, my message of salvation is not out there for you to seek. Other religions and other entities throughout our world is a striving, reaching effort. Our God says, I will come to you. Salvation will come to you. And at Christmas time, that's exactly what we get to celebrate. That this great, awesome, vast, expansive God didn't just stay unapproachable. He came to us. Salvation has come to you. And Bible readers know that when it seems like God gave that promise, and then hundreds of years, even thousands of years passed, about 1,500 years passed between when God first gave that promise out of Numbers 24, 17 into when it would be fulfilled in Bethlehem. 
Bible readers know that when it seems like God's timing has worn thin, or when it seems like the circumstances are just impossible for God to fulfill his promise, our God specializes in showing up in those times. Just like he did with Abraham, even in his old age, when it was laughable that he would ever have children at all, let alone that his descendants would be that vast, God knew he was gonna be faithful to his promise. Even with the Virgin Mary, when she was promised, you will be with child and unto you will be born the Son of God. How can this be? It's impossible. She's a virgin. Or how about this one? Even when the great thud of Good Friday hit and we follow the nativity all the way through the life of Jesus and into the empty, the tomb, when it seems impossible that God can actually fulfill his promise, our God is faithful always to his promises. Amen? Now, faith is living right in that space. Faith is believing God for his promises before they've been fulfilled. How hard is it for you and I to have faith that God actually will fulfill that promise he gave back in Numbers 24? Not that hard. We celebrated it at Christmas time. But faith, let's put it like this. Faith is living in the space between the promise given and the promise received. Faith is living right there in that space, and that's not easy. No story in the Bible or life in the people of the church would tell you that it's simply easy to live in the space between the promise given and the promise fulfilled. But where else will we go? What other option do we have? Is there anyone or anything worthy of putting our hope in apart from him? No, so faith tells us he is worthy of your trust. He is worthy of being the promise keeper. And listen, I know, I I do really know that having a promise broken can be anything from frustrating to heartbreaking. But this is not an option for our God. He is forever fully, perfectly true to his promises. Each and every night after the promise was given through Balaam, centuries before Jesus would be born, God's message twinkled in the night sky. Salvation is coming. Salvation is coming. And even when people began to doubt, even when faith started to fade, or even they just forgot about the promise of God, one night in Bethlehem, God brought a beautiful promise fulfillment at last. Like a beaming father, he had to use the dance of all the stars to spotlight this moment and gather people to this reality. Later, after Jesus was born, sometime later, Matthew 2 begins. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. God used the dance of the stars to to lead people to his promise kept. 
It has come. He has come to you. And he's beaming like a father wanting to shine this news everywhere he can. The promised star, the promised king has come to you in Bethlehem. Now, as a a little bit of a a detour, a fast forward, if you're not left in in awe of the vastness and the faithfulness of our God yet, look forward to Revelation. You and I do stand in a point of time between the promise given and the promise fulfilled. And in Revelation, at the end of all of history, a time we have not yet experienced that has not yet been fulfilled, Jesus has a special name for himself at that time. Revelation twenty two sixteen, he calls himself the bright morning star, extending the promise that he will fulfill in that time to renew and restore everything in creation and on earth and the heavens, perfected and imperishable through him. That's the promise fulfilled that we await. And as we look over all of history, we can see he is a God that is certain to keep his promises. Do you see why it's, it's foolish or even offensive to ascribe to the stars or anything else in all of creation guidance and power and trust and not God himself? So here's, here's a caution and encouragement with any piece of creation Don't give power or worship to the canvas. Give it to the creator. Make sure we are right-sizing God with all the good things, all the awesome things, the power that we see around us. Allow all those things to right-size God and point you to who God is and what he is like. He deserves to be listened to. His message is good and faithful and comes to you. Even when you and I are in a posture of waywardness, even when we find ourselves walking away from that God of the universe, his message of salvation comes to you. If that's the posture of your heart this weekend, a wayward heart, I am so glad that you're here to hear this because the love of God does not wait for you to return. It's constantly pursuing you. And as we're about to sing, pouring out all kinds of evidences in your life about his goodness, about who he is and what he is like. It's no wonder that Paul gushes in Ephesians 3 to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think or imagine. To him be the glory. And not only that he was faithful in his promise to us and faithful to come to us, but it's the same hands that can hold the span of the universe that were nailed upon a cross for your sin and my sin. The idea that that God would know you and would come and bear the price for rebellion for you in order to restore you back to himself. That's what makes the Christmas celebration so amazing. If we listen, if we listen like David did, We can hear the cosmos and creation and the saints and the angels singing their songs of praise and worship to this God.
And this, this Christmas, this Advent, I want to invite us to join into that song in a new way. Specifically this weekend, I want to take a little extra time and make sure that my word choice in a gospel invitation is as, as biblically consistent and as clear as possible. Because I have this, this conviction that this is his invitation for you. These are his words for you. And I want to do them justice and, and let them do what only they can. So look at the night sky this week. Maybe even make a note in your phone. Make a reminder. Look at the night sky. And as you do, spend some time asking that God to help right-size himself in your soul. This may be a foreign concept to you, viewing God this big or this vast, and it's not an exercise of willpower. God, would your spirit fill my soul and enlarge me to see how big you are, how great and mighty you are, because as you do, you're gonna see that there's nothing that you're experiencing that he can't handle. Or there's nothing that is a facet of your life that he doesn't want to call his own for you, for your good. That eternity was written on the souls of all people, all people. It was written there by the author of salvation in Jesus so that, that we could find the only possible fulfillment back through him. You are not gonna be fulfilled, not, not fully filled without acknowledging that space in your soul, that eternal story and message that he's sending to you. And this isn't just something I want you to accept and declare, this is something I want you personally to take in and receive it. It's like saying honey is sweet. It's not the same thing as, as tasting it and taking it in. It's like that. Psalm 34 tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Take it in. Personally accept who this God is and what his message is for you. So I wanna ask you all to, to bow your heads and close your eyes. Not for me, but for the sacredness of any and every soul here that is being met by the gospel. Oh, I pray that's a lot of us. And if you're willing to confess with your mouth, whether it's for the first time or as a, a confirmation and a declaration alongside other believers, I invite you to, to open your palms. I invite you to say these words if they are true at the level of your soul. Jesus is Lord and I receive you. This moment is not about anybody else. You are standing in the presence of the cosmos holder. He is seeking your heart in love. And there is something about releasing your life to him and confessing with the words of your mouth, whether it's whispered or said in the, the depths of your soul or proclaimed in your life. Jesus is Lord and I receive you.
Jesus, you are God's great promise kept. And I do. I receive anything and everything that you have for me. You are Lord. Amen. So as the worship team is here and we're going to turn our hearts to worshiping that great God, let me encourage the church with one more thing. Don't hold back. You are in the presence of the God Almighty, cosmos holder. Allow your worship to be costly. Maybe even find yourself doing something you normally wouldn't do, getting out of the, into the aisles and kneeling, or, or if you're not a singer, proclaiming these words from your soul or raising your hands. Church, I invite you to not be distracted by anything else around you. We're in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Let's let our worship be valuable and costly. He's worth it. If you're able, let's stand. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.